thinking back to my middle to high school days, I was an active kid growing up in Singapore before moving on to Canada. In school, I was active in all kinds of sports, namely basketball, volleyball, um, table tennis. I was a member of the school choir, literary pursuit, NCC, class monitor, and even school prefect. And outside of school, I've had um, private tuition lessons and other lessons in violin, electric organ, swimming, and taekwondo, a Korean martial arts in which I earned a junior black belt or frispoon. It's junior, but it's black belt. I must confess um, there were times, however, that I did not feel like going to some of these lessons. I remember calling up my violin teacher. Um, I told him I was sick and I had to skip the lesson. I would turn around and tell my mom that my violin teacher was sick and there was no lesson that day. Pretty nifty, huh? That worked well for maybe a couple of times and then the lie finally caught up to me. You see, my mom, being the responsible parent, was probably thinking, why was the violin teacher not making up lessons for the times he was sick? Since she was paying for the lessons, she must have been on top of it, right? So she called up my teacher and he told her, it was your son who called in sick. Man, oh man, I had it good from her. <laughs> what can I say? When you were young, sometimes you do foolish things and thinking you could actually get away with it, right? I mean, reality check. My reflection is inspired from reading Tobit chapter 7. In this episode, I'm going to connect the dots. Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I am your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. What are Christian virtues? If you're following the book of Tobit with me, you can see them up and down the story of Tobit. And if you're like me, I think Christian virtues have something to do with our moral compass, leading us to our conduct or actions. But beyond that, my understanding of which is cloudy at best. In this episode, I am inspired to take a closer look into Christian virtues and reflect on them. I want to know, what does the church and scripture teach us about them? What purpose do they serve in our Christian life? And how do we acquire them? And how can we grow in virtue? Welcome back, SNP family. I hope everyone is keeping well. Now, before we start reading Tobit chapter 7, here's a quick recap. The story of Tobit is set at a time of the Assyrian exile, 
where a faithful Israelite from the tribe of Naphtali named Tobit has been resettled as a captive in Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. And as a side note, Zebulun and Naphtali were the first two tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel to be deported by the Assyrians. Despite deliberate observance of the law of Moses, Tobit finds himself blinded, broke, and driven to the brink of despair, and prays to God to let him die. Meanwhile, in faraway media, a kinswoman named Sarah suffers the shame and disappointment of losing seven husbands. She too reaches the point of despair and prays to God to let her die. Instead of granting them their wish, God sends the angel Raphael, disguised as the man named Azariah, to help them lift their burdens and restore happiness to their homes. Central to the story is a lengthy journey undertaken by the son of Tobit named Tobiah, who travels to Media with his angelic companion to retrieve his father's silver from Raguel and unexpectedly was told that Sarah, Raguel's daughter, has been set apart for him before the world existed. And we pick up from where we left off in this episode. The Bible I'm reading from is the New American Bible or the NAB online version taken from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops or the USCCB website. For the Book of Tobit, I also refer to the online version of Dewey Reims Bible, which is a translation from the Latin Vulgate, whereas the NAB is translated from the Septuagint or the Greek version. As always, the show note can be found on the website. The URL is www.settingapart.com and setting apart is one word. Now, all resources used, for example, scripture verses, um, reflection questions, YouTube links where subtitles of every episode for the season is uploaded, all these for the podcast and more can be found in the show notes. I invite you to read along Toby chapter 7 with me. If you do not have a Bible handy, feel free to check out the Setting Apart channel on YouTube where you can find the subtitles for all the episodes in this season there. Again, the YouTube links can be found in the show notes on the Setting Apart website. Now, let us quiet down our hearts for our opening prayer as we prepare to read and listen to the Word of God. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name to listen attentively to you. As it is written, as your word unfolds, it gives light. Even the simple understand. We pray that the Holy Spirit in our midst could guide us in opening our ears and our heart to be enlightened by your word. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen. Tobit chapter 7 When they entered Agbatana, Tobiah said, Brother Azariah, bring me straight to the house of our kinsman Raguel. So he did, and they came to the house of Raguel, whom they found seated by his courtyard gate. They greeted him first, and he answered, Many greetings to you, brothers. Welcome. You have come in peace. Now enter in peace. And he brought them into his house. He said to his wife, Edna, How this young man resembles Tobit, the son of my uncle. So Edna asked him, saying, Where are you from, brothers? They answered, We are descendants of Naphtali, now captives in Nineveh. She said to them, Do you know our kinsman Tobit? They answered her, Indeed, we do know him. She asked, Is he well? They answered, Yes, he is alive and well. Then Tobiah said, He is my father. Raguel jumped up, kissed him, and broke into tears. Then, finding words, he said, A blessing upon you, son. You are the son of a good and noble father. What a terrible misfortune that a man so righteous and charitable has been afflicted with blindness. He embraced his kinsman, Tobiah, and continued to weep. His wife, Anna, also wept for Tobit, and their daughter, Sarah, also began to weep. Afterward, Raguel slaughtered a ram from the flock and gave them a warm reception. When they had washed, bathed, and reclined to eat and drink, Tobiah said to Raphael, Brother Azariah, ask Raguel to give me my kinswoman, Sarah. Raguel overheard the words, so he said to the young man, Eat and drink and be merry tonight. For no man has a greater right to marry my daughter Sarah than you, brother. Besides, not even I have the right to give her to anyone but you, because you are my closest relative. However, son, I must frankly tell you the truth. I have given her in marriage to seven husbands who were kinsmen of ours and all died on the very night they approached her. But now, son, eat and drink. The Lord will look after you both. Tobiah answered, I will neither eat nor drink anything here until you settle what concerns me. Raguel said to him, I will do it. She is yours as decreed by the book of Moses. It has been decided in heaven that she be given to you. Take your kinswoman. From now on, you are her brother, and she is your sister. She is given to you today and here ever after. May the Lord of heaven prosper you both tonight, son, and grant you mercy and peace. Then Raguel called his daughter Sarah, and she came to him. He took her by the hand and gave her to Tobiah with these words, Take her 
according to the law. According to the decree written in the book of Moses, I give her to be your wife. Take her and bring her safely to your father. And may the God of heaven grant both of you a safe journey in peace. He then called her mother and told her to bring writing materials. He wrote out a copy of a marriage contract, stating that he gave Sarah to Tobiah as his wife, as decreed by the law of Moses. Her mother brought the material, and he drew up the contract, to which he affixed his seal. Afterward, they began to eat and drink. Later, Raguel called his wife, Edna, and said, My sister, prepare the other bedroom and bring Sarah there. She went, made the bed in the room as he had told her, and brought Sarah there. After she had cried over her, she wiped away her tears and said, Take courage, my daughter. May the Lord of heaven grant you joy in place of your grief. Courage, my daughter. Then she left. In earlier chapters, Tobit has been portrayed as a virtuous man. He invited the needy, left his feast, and buried the dead. His virtues were affirmed by Raguel in verse 7 of chapter 7. You are the son of a good and noble father, a man so righteous and charitable. Those are some of the virtues of Tobit as we have seen. Now, Raguel is another example of a man of virtue in the book of Tobit. But before we start looking at his virtues, let's briefly look at what Christian virtues are. What is a virtue? Well, let me drop the bombshell statement and tell you this. Virtues are gifts from God that lead us to live in a close relationship with Him. Virtues are like habits. They need to be practiced. They can be lost if they are neglected. I will be supporting this statement by scripture and church teaching, starting with the CCC, paragraph 1803, and I quote, A virtue is an habitual and firm disposition to do the good. It allows the person not only to perform good, but to give the best of himself. The goal of a virtuous life is to become like God. Unquote. St. Thomas Aquinas, in his Summa Theologica, has this to say, and I quote, Virtue causes man and his acts to become good. Since man has a rational soul, he has the capacity to know things and the capacity to desire things. The capacity to know things is called the intellect, and the capacity to desire things is called the will or rational appetite. Let me pause here. Now, we have seen this capacity to desire things from St. Thomas Aquinas before, when he says, to love is to will the good for the other, which we understand to mean, to love is to desire the good for the other. If you ever wonder how do we will the good for the other, well, now we know. We desire all things that are good 
for our neighbor. Okay, I continue and I quote: If the power that the virtue perfects is the intellect, then the virtue can be considered to be an intellectual virtue. If, on the other hand, the power that the virtue perfects is a rational appetite, then it can be considered to be a moral virtue. It is the moral virtues that dispose men's appetites to good deeds. End of quote. Now this is consistent and in perfect harmony with how CCC paragraph eighteen o three defines virtue earlier, and in the next paragraph in eighteen o four, this is what the CCC has to say, and I quote: "The moral virtues are acquired by human efforts." They are the fruit and seed of morally good acts. They dispose all the power of the human being for communion with divine love. Moral virtues are human virtues that guide our conduct according to reason and faith. They make possible ease, self-mastery, and joy in leading a morally good life. The virtuous man is he. Who freely practices the good, and of quote. In other words, moral virtues help make leading a morally good life easier, with self-control and joyful. Let's continue with 1805 of the CCC, and I quote: Four virtues play a pivotal role, and accordingly are called cardinal. All the others are grouped around them. They are prudence or wisdom, justice, fortitude or courage, and temperance or self-control. If anyone loves righteousness, wisdom's labor are virtues. For she who teaches temperance and prudence, justice and courage. These virtues are praised under other names in many passages of Scripture.、Unquote. Now let's look at each of them briefly from、um, the paragraph eighteen o six to eighteen o nine from the CCC. Prudence or wisdom is the virtue by which we discern what will be the right action in any given situation. The prudent man looks where he is going. Justice is the virtue that is concerned with giving God and our neighbor what is rightly due to them. Now, justice toward God, also called the virtue of religion, whose purpose, according to Saint Thomas Aquinas, is to render God the worship due to Him as the source of all being and the principle of all government of things. Justice toward man is giving your neighbor what is rightly his due by elevating his dignity, as it is intended by God, and God wants us to love our neighbor like He loved us, as it is written in Leviticus chapter nineteen, verse fifteen. You will not be unjust in administering justice. You will neither be partial to the poor. Nor overawed by the great, but will administer justice to your fellow citizen justly. 
unquote. Next, fortitude or courage. It is the moral virtue that ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in the pursuit of the good. It strengthens the resolve to resist temptations and to overcome obstacles in a moral life. The virtue of fortitude enables one to conquer fear, even fear of death, and to face trials and persecutions. It disposes one even to renounce and sacrifice his life in defense of a just cause. In the world, you will have hardship, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. And that is from John 16, verse 33. Temperance is the moral virtue that moderates the attraction of pleasures and provides balance in the use of created good. It ensures the will's mastery over instincts and keeps desires within the limits of what is honorable. Do not be led by your appetites and energy to follow the passions of your heart. And that is from Sirach or Ecclesiasticus, chapter 5, verse 2. Now, these are brief overviews of the four cardinal virtues. Feel free to check out the CCC for more details. Now, connecting the dots to Tobit chapter 7. In Tobit chapter 7, verse 1, Raguel greeted both Tobiah and Raphael at the gate, and taking them only for Israelites, he invited them to the house. After realizing who Tobiah was, in verse 9, he then slaughtered a ram from his flock and gave them a warm reception. Now, these are virtues of hospitality. Now, we have not covered the virtue of hospitality yet, but we will in the next episode. According to St. Ambrose, for Raguel, in his regard for virtue, when asked to give his daughter in marriage to Tobiah, was not silent regarding his daughter's faults or shortcomings. Raguel answered that in chapter 7, verse 10, and I quote, Not even I have the right to give her to anyone but you, because you are my closest relative. However, son, I must frankly tell you the truth. Unquote. And continuing to the next verse, and I quote, I have given her in marriage to seven husbands who were kinsmen of ours and all died on the very night they approached her. But now, son, eat and drink. Unquote. According to St. Ambrose, this just man then feared more for others than for himself and wished rather that his daughter should remain unmarried than that others should run risks in consequence of their union with her. Unquote. Now, despite the law that he cannot not marry Sarah to Tobiah, but knowing the seven husbands of Sarah all died on their wedding night, Raguel did not wish Tobiah to suffer the same fate as them. Raguel wished rather that Sarah might remain unmarried 
so that Tobiah might live. Again, these are virtues of justice and fortitude. To not desire something bad for Tobiah, that is the virtue of justice. To tell Tobiah the truth takes courage, and that's the virtue of fortitude. Now, connecting the dots to my reflection at the top of the podcast, I was caught lying and my mother corrected me. Honesty is a virtue, and facing the truth and admitting your faults also took courage. The punishment I received can be likened to the purification process. If I've learned my lessons well, you could say the virtues were gained through human effort, through education and good actions. This would be consistent with the human or moral virtue highlighted in this episode so far. All good acts are virtuous by definition. Upon reflection, however, there is a subtle but important difference between my personal sharing and the virtue narrative from the CCC. The former is animated by a rule-based mechanism. If you commit an offense, you will be punished, whereas the latter is animated by our love of God. The moral virtues dispose all the power of the human being for communion with divine love. We saw that in CCC paragraph 1804. The goal of a virtuous life is to become like God, according to St. Gregory. Now, the virtuous person pursues the good and chooses it in concrete actions. To conclude, I would like to share the wisdom of St. Augustine on virtues. And I quote, To live well is nothing other than to love God with all one's heart, with all one's soul, and with all one's efforts. From this, it comes about that love is kept whole and uncorrupted through temperance. No misfortune can disturb it, and this is fortitude. It obeys only God, and this is justice, and is careful in discerning things, so as not to be surprised by deceit and trickery. And this is prudence." Unquote. In the next episode, we shall continue to unpack three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love as we read Tobit chapter 8. Theological virtues are gifts given to us by God at our baptism. And their purpose is to lead us back to God. Our understanding and practice of them depend on God's grace. Until then, let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, all praise and glory is to you. As we begin reading the second half of the book of Tobit, we pray for temperance to stay the course. Give us the fortitude to persevere and finish strong. As our brothers and sisters who may be going through difficult trials and tribulations, who are suffering and in pain, 
and driven to the brink of despair at this time, may we offer up the prayer from Tobit chapter 7, verse 17 to them. Take courage, my daughter. May the Lord of heaven grant you joy in place of your grief. Courage, my daughter. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Setting Apart podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and get notified so you won't miss any episode. And please feel free to give me your ratings and reviews so that others may get to listen as well. Thank you and God bless.